So our mission, as we like to say it, is to reduce the death rate of small businesses. And we do that by creating efficiency in the ecosystem, transparency for the small business owner, efficiency for all the suppliers that serve those small businesses, and try and reduce redundancy and unnecessary costs for that. Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com. Here's your host, Brian Bush. On this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, my guest is Greg Ott, CEO of NAV, which helps small businesses manage their financial health and streamline access to capital. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. So I'm excited to get into this one. But first, please tell the audience a little bit about your background, your career journey, and what brought you to your role with NAV. Yeah, terrific. I feel really fortunate I've had a, been able to have a career in like big companies and small companies. I started my career as a brand manager at Procter & Gamble. It's really learned to say powerful businesses are built on customer insights. And then I moved into the tech world, got to found a fintech company in the early 2000s, and then went to various sized companies. I helped build a MarTech platform. And then I ended up into it on the QuickBooks team and really fell in love with the small businesses as an underserved segment. But I think I found that in my nature, I'm a builder. And I got pulled back into the entrepreneurial world. And so joined NAV quite a few years ago, and we've been on a really strong journey trying to build connected tissue in the small business ecosystem. But I've combined my love of understanding customer insights with building software on top of data, and it's going pretty well. I love that. Great businesses are built on great customer insights. Let's talk a little bit more about NAV specifically. In Gusto World, we talk about there are 6 million small businesses out there, but those are really 6 million businesses with employees. The small and medium business market, I think it's on the order of 26 million when you include solopreneurs. And you all at NAV target a very broad swath of this market. So please give us the quick intro to what does NAV offer? Who precisely do you aim to serve? And especially what makes you different? What makes the product stand out? Yeah. You're right. I think what is a small business is often confused and communicated in many different ways. According to the census, there's 33 million businesses in the U.S. Only 6 million have employees. The other 27 million drive about 25% of the GDP. And so we like to say sole props are people too. Our target audience really is the segment of small businesses where the small business owner is still doing all the work. They're mm -hmm. con constantly context shifting between cutting the hair, putting the roof on, driving the truck. And then managing their customers, managing their employees and managing their business. They don't have the luxury of having a CFO or a head of HR. They're doing it all themselves. That includes the employment companies with about 20 employees and below usually before people start adding in those functions. And so a lot of what we do is try and reduce the cognitive load on those small businesses, get mm. it easier for them to grow and thrive. So our mission, as we like to say it, is to reduce the death rate of small businesses. And we do that by creating efficiency in the ecosystem, transparency for the small business owner, efficiency for all the suppliers that serve those small businesses, and try and reduce redundancy and unnecessary costs for that. We always talk about streamline and efficiency. 
maybe let's get a little bit more tactical. Yeah. What does that actually mean in the product? We, at the beginning, we said, hey, it's about managing financial health, streamlining access to capital. So let's talk just a little bit more specifically about how you achieve some of that mission. Yeah. So we've built, and for people who remember, it's almost a mint-like experience, mint for small businesses. And so we have to understand how you're doing. And then we bring together, we aggregate over 70 different lenders, over 100 business credit cards, about two dozen business insurance providers, essentially across about 10 different categories. So aggregate that supply side. So based on your financial health, you understand what your financing options are at any given time. And then we dramatically streamline the ability to actually get capital when you need it. So we talk mm -hmm. about accessing capital, improving your capital options, and then managing your capital that you have. In addition to that connected ecosystem, we actually offer kind of light banking tools to help manage cash. We recently launched Nav Prime, where by using our Nav Prime card, uh, we actually help improve your financial health by reporting transactions to the, the credit bureaus. So you could actually start to improve the capital you can access for your small business. So at the intersection of that mint-like experience connected to the financial ecosystem, as well as almost a neobank-like experience that is available if small businesses need that to get going. And so that's interesting. I think when you and I chatted just before we, we hit record here, we talked a little bit about how this is different from traditional banking. So maybe say just a little bit more about where you see kind of the services provided by a traditional bank stop and what's additive with NAV's platform and insights. Yeah. Traditional banks, unfortunately, are really not set up to serve most of that segment we were talking about, the 20 employees and below. And we really saw that clearly with the PPP program where like, wait, these people have checking accounts, but I'm not supposed to give them money. And that's largely because assessing that risk is very difficult. What's changed in the ecosystem now is essentially the portability of that bank data and being able to create additional services on top of the foundation of traditional banks. That is also combined with, in the small business ecosystem, a huge number of non-bank lenders that then are able to price to risk differently than a bank might in order to serve that white space of underserved small businesses. So the traditional banks historically like solid established small businesses, which has left this massive underserved segment. There's these neobanks, alternative lenders, a lot of solutions that come in would actually create a ton of noise and uncertainty for the small business owner because they don't, they might trust their bank, but they don't know who these other players are in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Our job, one, is creating that transparency of what really are your options. How do you compare your options? A little bit like a, an Expedia of your financing options, so to speak, or a match.com for your financing options based on your financial health. And that help you understand as your financial health changes, how do your financing options change? I love it. And it goes back to that point you made about, hey, that's how you're bringing efficiency to this piece of the market, to the credit opportunities that these small businesses have, because it's not just the marketplace. It's actually, hey, how have your options changed? as your business health has improved, as your credit score has improved, maybe as you have more robust cash flow via the card that you mentioned. So Greg, let's just take a next step. So we've talked a little bit about Nav and Nav Prime. I'm curious, on this show, we talk a lot about folks building with embedded fintech. And lately, there is a lot of interest in building with embedded lending products, or excuse me, building embedded lending products. I'm curious, from your perspective, what do you think is driving this trend? And more importantly, how do you think it impacts your strategy with NAV? 
Yeah. I think embedded lending is a great trend. That's why I started to lean into what's been enabled through the portability of data and, and integrated solutions. But the, the fundamental tension between the simplicity of, oh, somebody's got, there's a financing option right there. That's how pay later started. But for small businesses, the transparency of understanding what my options are. Is there mm -hmm. a better, cheaper financing option someplace else? And so with embedded lending, it leans into the former, which is, oh, I'll put it right there, like point of sale financing, essentially. But what it doesn't do, it doesn't create the transparency for them to know, is this really the best option I can get? Could I get better terms, cheaper financing someplace else? The other fundamental flaw, so the strength of embedded lending is it's right there to create an efficiency. The other fundamental flaw then it becomes whatever ecosystem it's embedded in small business, rarely can one lender serve the entire credit spectrum. So Say more a little bit about that. It can create efficiency for the subset of captured users that are well-qualified for that financial product. The rest are left to go fend for themselves, go to Google and just get lucky. And so while embedded lending and embedded fintech sounds great because it's integrated, because small businesses sit on such a wide swath of the credit spectrum, it rarely serves that embedded ecosystem. And that's where this closed ecosystem model works well for maybe 10, 20% of the people in that ecosystem but it leaves a huge segment underserved. And even for the 10 to 20% that it does serve, it doesn't really create transparency onto what their best options are. And especially in the small business ecosystem of lenders, right? That's why we all get direct mail that says, apply now to see if you're qualified. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to know if you can get something better someplace else. In fact, a lot of the financial strategy on lending is a portfolio mix. I'm gonna try and get some really low risk customers to go with my high risk customers. But those low-risk customers could actually probably get cheaper financing someplace else. So a lot of the ecosystem has thrived on an absence of transparency, not really understanding what you could qualify for or what you need to do to qualify for something better. E. And now with embedded, it actually leans into that absence of transparency offset by the benefit of convenience. Yep. And so we think it's a good trend because it emphasizes both the opportunity, but also emphasizes the problems that need to get solved around helping the small business owner and really creating an interface for them to manage what their capital options are. So let's double click into that just a little bit. You all are the lending landscape very well. And we talked a little bit before we hit record as well about the dynamics around folks' credit scores and the business owner's credit score. So there's an important piece of, hey, the data you're actually feeding back into the credit score changes those options, changes the availability of credit or the different products that, that that business owner might qualify for. Just share a little bit more about that dynamic and a little bit what's under the hood that folks might not realize when they say, if they're a tech company evaluating different embedded lending products, might right. not be thinking about, oh, here's how the credit scoring is going on in the back end. If I'm choosing between multiple vendors who have products that might look the same, but actually are a little bit different in terms of how they evaluate risk. The small business lending is so different than what we tend to experience as consumer borrowers, right? Where it really pivots on one data point, your FICO score, right? Mm -hmm. Your FICO is great. So you're going to get a home mortgage at a better rate than I am. That's fine. And it really just kind of pivots on that in this massively fragmented ecosystem around small business lending. Again, we sit on over 70 lenders and that's just scraping the surface. It's not just FICO score. Now it's a factor your personal credit, but your business actually has a credit score as well. The business credit bureaus tend to be like Dun & Bradstreet, Experian, Equifax, that they're looking at, do you pay your bills on time? And yeah. then at cores, they're looking at your business financials. What's your cash flow? 
How frequently do you get paid? What's your average daily balance? Do you bounce checks? Do you have NSFs? And then they could pull in other data sets as they start to focus on verticals. But the general set of data is an intersection of a few core data sets. And then each lender in the small business ecosystem, they can price to risk as they choose. Whereas the consumer ecosystem, that pricing is much more regulated and there's a lot more oversight by the CFPB. And so for the small business owner, they're not sure necessarily how lender A versus lender B is going to judge their power and mm-hmm. or if the rate they get is the best rate they can get from where they are. There's another step that we was a core insight, which is if they just made a few changes, right? If they just improved a few factors like their credit utilization, that actually they might qualify for a, a better lending product. And so we sit at that intersection of the data aggregation, trying to aggregate the data that the lenders are going to look at so that you can understand what you qualify for before you apply, and then give you these adjacent solutions. And that's where Nav Prime and the Nav Prime charge card give you an adjacent solution to help you improve your financial health and your financial profile in order to qualify for better financing. I appreciate that, Greg. And thank you for indulging that need to go a little bit deeper. I want to bring it back to, hey, that end customer, that small business, You've talked a little bit about and explained for us how you provide transparency and efficiency for some of these options. That can be really critical because many of these businesses are operating on very thin margins when it comes to their cash flow. So talk a little bit about whether it's the cards that you all offer, whether it's some of the banking products or whether it's traditional lending products, that idea of, hey, there are times where we really need to streamline the access to capital for these folks because it's important to keeping their business afloat to that mission you mentioned of reducing the death rate for these small businesses. So that segment, which is a huge part, 25% of the GDP, tends to have on average about 17 days cash on hand. Wow. And so oftentimes they're trying to manage this, what's my timeline for money in? What are the bills I have to pay? Can I actually save any money? And how much do I get to pocket for me so that I can go buy a jet ski? And so they live on that edge. There's actually really good data on consumers, right? Which is how many consumers could handle a $400 emergency, but there's no good data on small businesses, but we see it every day. And that's when I talk about the cognitive load of those small businesses of like, they realize every day they're in a bit in survival mode just by giving them a transparency. So they have always on available access to capital. I love alliteration, by the way. Okay. It gives them a breath. Like I know they know if they need $10,000, $20,000, that it is available to them. Again, that's a part of the ecosystem. The traditional banks, they love to do million dollar loans, Mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Yeah, they make money on that over time. But when you look at that ecosystem that's trying to bridge the gap between money out and money in, their average loan is well less than $50,000. And so trying to sit in there and create that efficiency, first for the small business owner with a view into their financial health, but then having the connected supply side, the lenders and the card issuers, so that they're not getting applications from people that don't fit their credit box. That actually removes costs from the ecosystem. Aggregation platforms in general, whether you look back to a a Craigslist or an eBay or an Amazon, where you're an aggregation platform of demand and supply, removing unnecessary costs from the ecosystem. And that's a core capability that I think helps improve access to capital for that entire underserved segment. Let's talk about Nav's strategy a little bit because you are that marketplace, you are that aggregator in a sense. And what's more, it's I don't want folks to, to think that Nav is just lending. You have a unique strategy. You, have, you offer many 
financial products or many are in the marketplace. And you also own some of these products. Like you have built with some, whether it's embedded fintech or you've built from the ground up, like you offer almost like an Amazon basics sort of thing. You offer, say, a nav bank account, but you also, and correct me if it's not just bank accounts, but you also uh, aggregate and give customers insight into many other bank account products. So how do you, maybe walk us through the decision criteria. At which point do you decide to actually build a NAV branded or a NAV owned financial product? We always start with the customer need and listening to the Mm -hmm. customers, right? And we lean into our mission to create transparency and efficiency. And then what we see is where is there underserved segments? Where is there an opportunity to create something that isn't being fulfilled by the existing supply side? And that is a really good analogy to you know, kind of the Amazon basics model. First, we are essentially the superstore across 10 different categories, including payroll, to help people understand and compare their options. Compare pricing is Gusto, you know, what's its features advantage? What's its pricing comparison? And occasionally there's an underserved segment of the market here. Yeah. And in many respects, many financial services are relatively on commoditized and so there's room in there tends to be for the the basics but the way we go to market is always with transparency which is here's how you would compare the nab business checking account to bank of america chase and and everything else that's available to those small businesses what's the feature set that's difference what do you lean into for for differentiation and so we do offer a business checking account we offer multiple payment cards and additional cash flow management tools which are launching on a regular basis that's all within what we call nav prime with the differentiated feature of helping you show you how your changes affect your financial profile and then be able to show you how your financial profile affects your financing options so because we're connected to an open ecosystem of lenders we can stay very objective and unbiased in terms of building these solutions with an eye towards helping you get to better financing options but the yeah, yeah. Amazon basics analogy is, is pretty good. Or you could look at you know, Kirkland brand and Costco or Target brands and Target, which is just seeing hmm, there's a, either a, a price point or an underserved segment that is unavailable. On the business checking account, one of the basic insights was how many small businesses got declined for financing because they were using a, a consumer or retail checking account, even like a Chime account or something like that. If they just had a business checking account, that would help improve their financing options. So we looked at the cost and opportunity and we built our own business checking account. And then we did the same thing. We have a debit card, charge card, we have a secured card, and now we have other payments and then other software solutions coming right behind that. So this is fascinating. And I think it's a really important point. What I hear you saying is, hey, there's no go-to-market difference in these kind of, you start with that transparency, you start with that marketplace point of view. It's really, these products are built on customer insight and you've identified a subsegment of the market that needs this specific product. They're not getting it elsewhere. Hence, there's less of that channel or no channel conflict, which that's exactly what Amazon has been accused of lately with some of their basics line. Yeah, they're, they're a lot bigger than we are. So that'll be a first world problem, but it's built on transparency, right? Helping you mm-hmm. understand what your options are. And Gusto is a great payroll solution for some small businesses, but there's other more basic payroll needs and there's more complex payroll needs, right? And so we lean into helping them navigate through the complexity, through the noise of so many options across so many categories. So I hear you very clearly through all this talking about, you all believe in an open ecosystem. 
Let's contrast this a little bit. One of your former employer, QuickBooks, very much a gorilla in the room when it comes to, to small and medium business software. They seem to be taking a slightly different tack. I'm referring a little bit to a recent sort of split with their partnership with Bill.com, a little bit with Melio. Just not that folks can't use both of these products together, but they're no longer part or within sort of the QuickBooks UI and interface. I'm curious how you think about that evolution or how you would contrast and compare the open versus closed ecosystems within the small and medium business financing world. Yeah, I think that's the trend I was talking about, right? Limiting optionality, limiting transparency for the breadth of small businesses, right? There's millions and millions, tens of millions of small businesses who don't use QuickBooks. QuickBooks has QuickBooks Capital and the check accounts. What if I don't want to pay $35 a month for QuickBooks? Mm -hmm. The cost of entry into the closed ecosystem creates one, misalignment of incentives, and two, underserves massive segments of the ecosystem. But for those QuickBooks users, it does create efficiency and convenience. But in terms of the breakup with Bill.com, if that's a better feature set or it works better for my business, now I'm locked out of that closed ecosystem. So that's where we really feel that there's the open platform model is the complement. Some people want the closed ecosystem. It's like Square Capital is great for about 10 or 15% of Square users, but the open ecosystem will serve the other 85%. Yeah. Gusto, if they decide to offer some services, those services will work for some subset, can work in a closed ecosystem, and that's great, creates efficiency. But then the open ecosystem is even more necessary for the ones that don't fit into that narrow box. Yeah. I'm glad we reiterated that. And I think it's a really key point. When other SaaS leaders are thinking about building with embedded fintech, to your point, it really needs to be built on customer insight. And they really need to have identified or think about what segment of my customer base does this actually make sense for? And what I hear you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is if you're coming at it at a lens of, hey, by reducing transparency, but trading off convenience, can we just drive higher margin? That yep. might be a tricky play. Whereas if you say, hey, I've identified a big segment of my customer base that really needs this product, then that feels like a much more aligned opportunity. Exactly. And I think they both can coexist. It's a bit of a TAM versus ARPU. I can mm. increase my ARPU, right? and drive up by solving for this segment for some subset. But the TAM is constrained. Mm -hmm. In the open ecosystem, you have a much greater TAM. That's the part of, I think people goes back to at the top of the conversation about how massive the small business ecosystem really is and the fragmented solutions they use across industry, stage of life, time in business is broad. That the closed ecosystem models serve a very narrow, tend to serve a very narrow slice and they serve them pretty well. Mm -hmm but it doesn't address the, the broad set of needs. Yeah. So if that's one piece of advice for somebody who's, say, building a younger SaaS platform for small and medium businesses, what other advice would you offer for folks, especially as they think about anything in the world of, of financial products for their customers, given that your deep background in accounting financial services, it gives you very much an edge. What pieces or what advice or wisdom would you impart for others? Yeah, that's interesting. One of the debates we have, which is a fun one, is who wins, the verticalized players, or the generalized mm -hmm. player. So do you go after a verticalized niche, right? And you got the best software for veterinarians and then try and scale within that. Or do you build mm -hmm. more generalized or horizontal solution, which is I'm going to use different set of data or create a different kind of user experience or have a different broad feature, which wins. And I think that the small business ecosystem, I think it's finally getting some more attention in terms of innovation and investment. And your company clearly has been one of those innovators in there. 
it's a tough thing. And what is verticalization? Is verticalization a, a software type such as I do AR and AP, or I do treasury management, or as a vertical, like I, veterinarians or roofers? Mm-hmm. I think the advice I would have for anyone coming into the space is have a unique customer insight that you're trying to hold on to, which could be vertical or it could be horizontal. Mm-hmm. But there is so much sameness in the ecosystem. Think about lending, for the most part, money's money. And so what's going to be different? I think a lot of people jumped into alternative lending and realized that if the difference is only the cost of capital, it's going to be tough to compete with traditional Mm -hmm. banks. If you're going to come in, you've got to jump onto a very strong and compelling user insight. And the other thing that I think works in the small business ecosystem is scale is a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go up against the big guys, how are you going to get to scale? Because scale can lead to efficient unit economics. In in many respects, the expansion or the expanded fragmentation, because the barrier to entry is relatively low, is good to see where the feature set is. But then there is a bit of consolidation, which we've done with a couple of recent acquisitions, which could be a good play for people to get into the ecosystem, is built into a feature that they know is going to be attractive to a larger player. Well, Greg, I appreciate that. And more just your all's take on, hey, let's bring efficiency and transparency to this market, give small, medium business owners more options. I appreciate this conversation because that ethos, I think, comes through particularly strongly being able to chat with you. So thanks for sharing some time. Today. Well, that's what's given up kind of license now to do the Amazon basics version. We start to see where their need is. We have a phrase we use that is cash flow is workflow. Hmm. When you're that small business owner, there's some sub that they don't want to jump between solutions. They don't want to go over to log into this and log into this and then log into that. And at the heart of what they're thinking about is that how much cash do I have? So whether it's paying bills or running payroll or managing vendors or finding new customers, we're trying to create efficiency in there. And so by beginning with this open ecosystem model, we've actually created a, the opportunity and we can see the insights and where we can create some efficiencies. And that's where we've been excited about this Nav Prime launch mm-hmm. and the adjacent benefit of by using it and helping you build your credit profile, helping you comes back to the primary benefit of helping you streamline your access to capital. So there's a kind of a, a little bit of a flywheel loop that we've been putting together, which is pretty unique in the ecosystem. Indeed. Greg, thank you for sharing a little bit of your time and and your insights with our listeners. Before I let you go, if folks want to go deeper, if they have additional questions for you, is there any place that they could connect maybe on social media that you would point them to with those questions of follow-up? Yeah, you can, or handle on all social media channels as as at NavSMB and helping small businesses navigate or just through nav.com. You can always hit me up directly as well as at Greg Ott across X, Instagram, and all other platforms. Fantastic. Greg, thank you again for some time today. This has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast. We'll make sure to link to any resources that were mentioned in today's show in the show notes. Please also feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast or to connect with the Gusto Embedded team via LinkedIn. In particular, we'd love to hear any future guests you'd like us to have on the show. Thanks again for listening and keep a lookout for the next episode.